What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. My name is Scott Rader, and I'm the director of biblical counseling here at New Vision. On the New Vision podcast, we've been walking daily through different books of the Bible, and soon we'll be headed toward the book of Acts. But for a couple of weeks, we've taken a detour for staff members to share their raised to life stories, their salvation testimonies. So today I get to share mine. So here goes. Well, as a child, I grew up on the South Jersey shore until about the age of 12 when we moved down to South Carolina. My father was a commercial sign painter. Him and my mother raised four children. It was me and two older brothers and one younger sister. Uh, Mom always worked a job and was a full-time mom as well and a a housewife most of her life. Uh, Truth is, neither of my parents finished high school. Uh, Dad went into the Army as a young man, and they married and started a family very young. Both had tremendous work ethic, and they loved us and raised us well. But I did not grow up in the faith. We did not attend church. As a matter of fact, when my dad was not working, he was a race car driver. And so I grew up on asphalt racetracks. I remember as a kid, Friday, Saturday, and Sundays, we were at the racetracks. And so my exposure as a child to church or faith was really non-existent, except my grandparents, maybe on my mother's side, they were Catholics But that was confusing to me since there was alcoholism and other behaviors that really didn't make sense. Uh, I can't remember a time in my life, however, that that I didn't work. Growing up, I I had two older brothers, and from the time I was like 10 or 11 years old, I can remember delivering newspapers and clamming off the Jersey Shore, and we would pick pine cones and shovel snow in the winters. And uh, after moving down south at the age of 12, After I entered junior high, I I took a small job at a grocery store in South Carolina, and I would work after school like from three to nine on weekdays and most all day on Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, I was making like $3.35 an hour. A a 40-hour check was $134 gross, but bring home was like $109, you know, some guy named Fica, he would get some of my check, and I didn't even know who he was. But as a teen, that's that's what I did. I, I worked. I bought my own shoes and clothing. I, I got a 10-speed bike, and I rode it to work till I was about 15, and I, I bought my first car. It was a $200 Pinto with a $400 stereo system in it, you know. Um, in June of 86, I... Graduated high school, just just barely, and shortly after graduation, uh, through work, I met my now wife, Lisa. Our first official date was December 12, 1986. Uh, One month later, I would propose to her, and six months later, in June of 87, we would marry, and soon we'll celebrate 35 years of marriage. Well, I, I started a new job the same week we were married. And I went from making like four or five bucks an hour to 10 or $11 an hour. And, and we went out and bought us a brand new single wide trailer. It was uh, 14 by 52. 
was like 700 square feet of living space and uh, payments were $152 a month. And, uh, and we wanted a family. So first child, Kristen, was born in, in February of 1989. Uh, about six months later, I got another job and we moved across the Savannah River to Rinkin, Georgia, just, just north of Savannah, Georgia. I had started working with Georgia Pacific as a chemical operator. I started on the ground floor and I would work my way up and eventually I was offered advanced training and process improvement and database design and, and this was before computers were cool and uh, I would soon get promoted to a mid-level manager in the chemical division. They'd give me an American Express corporate card and expense account and I began flying all over the country uh, to 21 facilities we had across the U.S. And I was implementing uh, database systems and teaching process improvement. I had a wife and a family, but work was my God. I flew to Sacramento, California for a week in uh, April of 91, the very week my son was due to be born. But nothing really mattered but my job and traveling. I remember telling Lisa... If you go into labor, just give me a quick call and I'll catch the first flight back. That's how, um, that's how bad my priorities were distorted in life at this time. In all those years, we, we never really attended church, more than maybe three or four times for maybe some weddings and funerals, but never attended church. When I wasn't traveling, I was home working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Sundays were nothing to us more than just a day of uh, either work more work or we would sometimes go visit family but <clears throat> eventually the kids were all in school so lisa started a career as a real estate agent and she was doing great and pouring her life into her work and uh, around november of 1995 all my work was paying off and i continued to get promotions before long here we are, we got a new home, a boat, a, an RV camper, new cars and vacations in Florida. And I'm telling Lisa she might as well get ready. We're probably gonna relocate to Atlanta. Um, I'll likely be transferring to the corporate headquarters, which really just would mean more travel uh, and more work. Again, when I was home, I, you know, I would stop on the way home late at night, get a quart of beer to drink on the way home and a six pack for the night. And when traveling, I would work, you know, during the day and often go out uh, again drinking at night. I would eat dinner, drink beer, watch TV a little, never spend time with my wife, never being there for the kids. See, it was truly all about me. Nothing else mattered. It was a work-centered, me-centered life. But if you would have asked me at the time, I would have said everything was great. And truth is, our marriage was just about over. Alcoholism, self-centeredness, the worship of self, and, and the worship of work was about to claim another family. But God... And that's what our story is. It's a but God story. God had other plans. And, and it started with some difficult uh, kind of wake up moments in our life. At, at one point when our son was about two years old, he would be hospitalized for several weeks with an acute infection. 
which eventually required emergency surgery. His fever uh, was rising to as high as 106 as, as he laid near death. I never forgot how afraid I was the day when they put him to sleep for surgery, knowing we might never see him again. And for the first time, uh, we both began to consider who is this person called God and, and what and what is this place called heaven and did it really exist? And then, uh, and then shortly after, uh, between our second and third child on our, on our sixth anniversary, Lisa suffered a miscarriage. And again, the meaning and purpose of life was now swirling in our minds. Well, it was a Sunday night in January of, of 1996, and uh, we, we left our home in Georgia to visit our parents in South Carolina, which we sometimes did on, on Sundays if, if I wasn't working. And we passed by this little church that morning, about 1130, and we, uh, 11.30 in the morning, we, we talked about how packed out the parking lot was, like the cars were just spilling out of the parking lot, and there's a, a little church, and... Um, we thought, well, that must be a good church. Maybe that's a growing church. Maybe we should go. Maybe, you know, just for the kids, maybe. Um, as we returned home that night, I remember looking back over at that little church. We, we passed back by it, and again, the, the parking lot was packed out, and it said something like, oh, I don't know, maybe they're fanatics or something like that over there. I don't know if that's the church or not, but anyway, the very next night, Monday night, January of, of 96, I drive home late from work. I had already drank my quart of beer, and uh, and the doorbell rings, and it was a visitation team from that little local church, and they wanted to come in and talk to us and, and invite us to church. It turned out that Lisa's Avon lady had turned our names in to her church, and that they were just following up with um, a visitation, and so <clears throat> they were uh, nice and shared the plan of salvation, which honestly we kind of half-heartedly listened to, but uh, they invited us to, to church. And so the next Sunday, thinking that it was all kind of odd that we had just driven by the church and then this visitation team shows up, we said, well, let's give it a try. We, we decided to go. Uh, just the worship service, not Sunday school. We weren't going to be hardcore or anything, you know. Um, <laughs> But although we had never been to church, we, we instantly realized that it was very different than what we had imagined. And I'm not sure what we imagined. I think mostly we thought that Christians were stuffy, holier-than-thou, judgmental people. But instantly we realized that these people were not. And, and the pastor wasn't what we expected. He, he described the church as, as a hospital for broken people. He would say things like, nobody here is perfect. We're just doing our best to live for and serve God. And so after some singing, they stopped the service. They stopped everything. And they had this welcome time for like 10 minutes. And everybody's just talking and laughing and shaking hands and, and greeting one another. And then the pastor uh, started the message. And I remember, I remember him saying at one point, we're just here to glorify God. We're not perfect. We're not trying to be something we're not. So whatever you do, just be real. Just be real. And so, um, and so that was attractive. And, and we started attending. And, and after about a month of attending Sundays, it was a Wednesday night. Uh, 
It was February 14, 1996, and the church had a Valentine dinner. So there were fun and games and skits, and at the end, there was a gospel presentation, and the, the pastor closed with an invitation to respond, and me and Lisa did. We asked if we could speak with someone, and it, we were brought into a little room in the back of the church with a deacon, and he uh, opened a little Gideon's New Testament, and he was sharing the gospel, and we were listening intently, but our response was initially this. We thought, you know, we know we need this. We know we're ready, but there's still some things in our lives that are not right, some things we've done wrong, some things we still need to deal with. So before we can place our faith in God, we just need to get some things straight in our lives. And would you please be in prayer for us? Well, he listened to what was essentially our works-based response to our salvation. And he opened up his Bible again, and he shared the gospel through the book of Romans, and it's often referred to as the Romans Road. I'm going to be reading these passages from the English Standard Version. Romans 3, 2, 3 declares that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his love for us that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6, 2, 3 reminds us the wages of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Romans 10, 9 and 10 declares that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And then finally, in Romans 10, 13, we're reminded that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he said to us, listen, you just need to turn it over to Jesus and trust in him, and he'll take care of the rest. And so by faith, we trusted God and his word. We confessed, we repented, we believed, we called on the name of the Lord to save us and bring us into relationship with him. The very next Sunday, we were baptized in his name, and we were saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only did he save us eternally, but he saved us presently, too, from idolatry of so many things in our lives, like alcohol and work and anger and selfishness. He saved a marriage. He saved a family. We gave up our careers that we loved in 2001 and we headed into full-time Christian ministry. We have three grown children who are married to amazing spouses. We now have eight beautiful grandchildren and the Lord has indeed blessed us with immeasurably more than we could ever have hoped or imagined. Hey, I wanna say thanks for letting me share my Race to Life story. I wanna encourage you to come back tomorrow. You're gonna to hear a great testimony from another staff member, David Siever. David is an amazing servant of the Lord here at New Vision. And so come back tomorrow and let's hear his raised to life story. God bless, friends. Have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.